Um, right now, we're going to go to the uh, phone lines, and we have a chance to visit with a gentleman that is known as Dr. History, and he comes up with some great, great stories, and he's got an announcement to make this morning, and I think I'll let him share and bask in all the glory. Good morning, Dr. History. How are you? Good Good morning, Zeb. I'm doing great, and I do have kind of an exciting uh, announcement to make. Um we now officially have our web page up, and so people can go anytime they want to and listen to the stories, some of the stories we've done in the past, and if they want to listen, re-listen to the one they may be listening to now. So all they have to do is go to doctor-history.com. Okay, that's it, plain so and simple. Doctor, and then the little dash, and then history.com, and it'll pull up the web page and they can just go down through the list of stories and pick the ones they want to listen to all right well now this is really great because uh tell me in the archives there's literally hundreds of different programming in there isn't there there are we've probably got a hundred stories recorded and we will sometimes we'll even put two stories out in a week uh to kind of catch up with some of the older stories we've already recorded okay now once again say that again how they get on the uh, podcast just doctor-history.com okay all right so just just think doctorhistory.com with a little dash in between the doctor and the history okay well that's that's our domain name well, everybody's got to have a domain, and we've got ours, and we're looking forward to everybody kind of getting on there. We're going to mention it in Cow Pies and Coffee Cups every week. And right now, without further ado, while I can still hear a little bit of your voice, I'm having trouble over here this morning, Doc. Go ahead and tell us what we're going to be talking about today. Okay, I hope this comes through okay, because you're kind of breaking up a little too. So. Yeah, I noticed that, and uh, I can't help it. I don't know what else I can do. Uh, we've had okay. trouble with the phone line. It was off right at 1 minute to 10 again, and then it came back. It was red pistol hot, and it's kind of warbling and cutting out, and I don't know okay. why. Uh, so go well, ahead. Hopefully they can hear my end of the story. Okay, anyway. go ahead. Well, over time we've told different stories about medicine in the Old West. And so we're going to hit that again today. Now, to give a little background, you know, until after the Civil War, medical practice in America was really pretty much in the Dark Ages. I mean, the general consensus back then was that disease So the sole remedy was to get rid of fluids. Number so one was bloodletting. Number two was purging the stomach. And number three was purging the bowels. <laughs> now, I know that doesn't sound too uh, appetizing at this point, uh, uh, but uh, anything they could do, like I say, they did the bloodletting. They actually did bloodletting on animals, uh, cows and horses even. But uh, they used Ipecac to produce vomiting and calomel to empty the bowels, and that's what they figured uh, would cure about anything. And if you think about George Washington, now, Washington actually was dying of a throat infection, and uh, they think maybe something like a tonsillitis-type thing. But anyway, they started bleeding him, and uh, they did it oh, three or four times. And by the time the last time they were bleeding him, there really wasn't much coming out. And that's really probably what contributed to him dying. But uh, we're going to skip right on back to the Old West, what we refer to as granny remedies. Mm-hmm. Now, these are the pioneer women and folk medicine, things that they did. 
Um, and if you think of folk medicine, like herbs and stuff, uh, that really went back really thousands of years. In fact, they have found in a cave in Iraq a 60,000-year-old pollen from a, a type of plant that was used to treat wounds and dysentery and asthma and inflammation and toothache. So the folk remedies have been around for thousands of years, and a lot of these have been passed down uh, through generations, and a lot of those came west with the pioneers. Now, but some of them worked. And, uh, for example, uh, who would have believed that igniting an herb called wart and letting it smolder against the little toe of a pregnant woman would have an effect on the baby. Researchers tested this practice, it was actually a Chinese practice, and found that if the fetus was breech, in a breech position, 75% would rotate to normal uh, by using this mugwort. Uh, like I say, it sounds really strange. Uh, so, but, you know, strange things happen with these, some of these, uh, these folk remedies. Uh, now, in the latter part of the 19th century and into the 20th, the, pra- the profession of medicine, they pretty well abandoned a lot of these folk remedies because they just, they just didn't figure they worked. Um, so, but in, in addition to this mugwort study, they actually found uh, an herb called saw palmetto extract that was actually uh, found to improve uh, prostate uh, health. Uh, another Chinese herbal formula uh, showed to improve the symptoms of uh, irritable, irritable bowel syndrome. So, anyway, in spite of the medical profession's aversion to this, uh, folk medicine, uh, again, we called it granny medicine by some, uh, was practiced in nearly, in nearly every community in the West. Now, it was kind of a trial and error uh, uh, deal that developed, and there were literally thousands of home remedies. Uh, in fact, sometimes you, it was better off not to tell somebody you were sick because they would have some remedy, and maybe it wasn't too pleasant to go through. <laughs> um, now, most of these methods were directed uh, at the symptoms and really didn't cure the problem, uh, but it helped with the symptoms. So on the frontier, the family doctor really was the housewife or the grandma or the neighbor or basically somebody who had a reputation. Now, at one time or another, everything which grew in the fields, the forests, the swamps, played a part in family medicine. And there was a recipe for every illness that came along or needed to be prevented. And many of these treatments relieved the symptoms, especially if accompanied by rest and good nursing care. And I kind of stress that, you know, if you're sick, if you get uh, good nursing care and rest, really, you're probably going to get better no matter what they give you. Yeah, but you know, when you think about it uh, in the old days, I got to ask you this, you know, if you look at what happens to kids today, if you look at what happens to me today out there maybe fixing something in the barn and you drive a nail in your hand or whatever, boy, oh boy, they didn't have the luxury of running to a doctor's office or a quick care unit back in those days, and a lot of times infection could set in and they were going to die. Exactly, and that was one of the major problems with gunshot wounds and knife wounds was infection. So, but since the earliest times, women actually have always played a major role in medical care. Uh, Their uh, contributions were seldomly officially recorded uh, from the beginning. You know, the male-dominated profession of medicine pretty much refused to recognize the value of women in the healing arts. But history does tell us, however, that it was usually the women who gathered the herbs, prepared the medicine, they nursed the sick, and they delivered babies. Uh, I've got a relative that, that delivered hundreds of babies. 
as a midwife up in the uh, Oakley Basin area. But in the American West, tale after tale describes women's roles as caregivers. Mm-hmm. Now, if you think about it, on the long trip from so-called civilized world in the East to the wild, untamed frontier, many pioneers were nursed through sickness and injury, again, by mothers, aunts, sisters, grandmothers on the trail, um, and right on into the towns of the Western frontier. So, But the frontier women were caregivers really in the true sense of the word, and they represented the first line of defense against disease. And for a long period in American history, these pioneer women, whose only reward was the satisfaction of helping others, devoted themselves to the sick. And many of them learned about medicine from their mothers or their grandmothers, and a few might have read a book or two, but probably most of them had never read anything. But some knew a good deal about the herbs, and mostly, however, they used common sense, and they relied on their own experience with illness and injury. Now, more important than what they knew was the fact that they cared. Now, this is a pretty important thing, Zeb. It's doubtful that any of these humble people thought of themselves as exceptional, or they'd probably never ever heard of Florence Nightingale, but again, they were taken care of. And these most communities had mid- midwives and women who specialized in tending the sick. Now, there's one story of an un- unnamed woman uh, who was said to be a slave of a Dr. Benjamin Crook, and she nursed many prominent citizens in Helena, Montana, now, there's another woman that comes to mind. Her name was Martha Jane Canary, better known as Calamity Jane. She was actually a frontier nurse. Her, kind of her vices were a little more legendary, but few know that she actually served as a nurse in Billings, Montana. I didn't know and that. She was, she was described as a caring and competent uh, nurse, very, a very good woman. Now, occasionally, Indian women gained uh, reputations as healers. Now, not all the white people trusted the Native Americans, but some early settlers accepted their services, uh, sometimes just out of necessity. Now, most Indian women used herbal medicine, and they were experienced in, the, in treating wounds. Um, now, one time at Fort Union, there was a child of a famous fur trader who was sick, and he'd been treated by the white man's remedies, but it wasn't doing any good. The child was dying. Well, this particular medicine woman arrived, and she heated up some rocks, poured water on them, and immersed the child's room in steam. Now, during this procedure, she chanted a song that was part of the cure, and, well, the child got well. And we know, you know, this nameless Indian lady had a great deal of common sense because a lot of respiratory diseases respond to vapor. And we know that the Native Americans have been using the sweat lodge for this purpose for a long time. So, again, common sense. But most of the women who served as nurses in their communities also had their own children to raise, and they worked with the men on the farms. Um, there was a lady by the name of Mrs. Uh, Barnes who got into Fort Benton, Montana in 1883, and she had 16 children of her own. Now, nevertheless, she still found time to care for others as a practical nurse and a midwife. Uh, there's another uh, place in Montana that had a lady by the name of a Mrs. Powell, who nursed the sick, she delivered babies, and again, no formal training, just what they'd learned from their mothers and their grandmothers. So, but most newcomers to the Plains have been used to little better circumstances. They left their nice homes back east, and now they lived in sod houses. In fact, I have one right here in front of me that uh, it's basically just a, a little mound of dirt, and they've dug just a dugout into the side of the hill, and they've uh, fixed a roof on top of it, and that's all there is. But 
water was often hauled great distances uh, from rivers or creeks and you know the quality of that water who knows what was upstream from from the water mm-hmm. but uh, to a degree actually this isolation of the homestead was really a lot of times more healthy than conditions in the east because there was less exposure to disease now sometimes epidemics nevertheless did find their way into most remote communities um, in fact in montana on one occasion some visiting immigrants from denmark brought scarlet fever and it swept through the community caused deaths of at least uh, a bunch of people but now even right here close to us uh, not too far from where we are right here zeb there's a little town of alamo which you're familiar with mm-hmm. and at one time uh, they had a cholera epidemic go through alamo and it was taking one to two people a day out oh, of the community but uh, when times were hard, most of these homesteaders were trapped, barely able to survive, but too poor to leave. And for many, there was no professional medical care. Now, there were a few doctors that settled in communities along the railroads and the waterways and the trails. But, but even then, a lot of times they were too expensive. And most pioneers' first response to sickness was to employ these folk remedies. And again, as I mentioned, the tender, loving care of somebody that, that really cared. And not to say that these old... You know, this uh, frontier doctors didn't care because definitely there was a lot of those guys that risked their lives and were out late at night, and they were some amazing doctors. So I don't want to degrade or or put them down by any means. Yeah, but, you know, let me ask you a question here, though, Ken. Um, Didn't a lot of the people, didn't they understand that they couldn't draw water out of a stream downstream from a herd of buffalo? Didn't they understand that dirty water was going to cause sickness? You know what? They really didn't. Uh, there was, uh, they really didn't understand the germ theory. I see. They, they, you know, if it looked pretty clear, they just assumed that it, it was okay. When in fact, you know, you're right. It could be infected with, uh, who knows what, uh, you know, dead animals were upstream, you know, but you're, you're right. They, they didn't really know. So, but you know, a lot of these frontier women were often left for days, sometimes weeks or months uh, while their husbands were gone. Uh, working to supplement their income and um, one particular lady she while her husband was away she had a miscarriage and she said I don't want a doctor she said I just want a woman to come in and nurse me back to health that's what she did um, and the frontier women didn't really turn to men for emotional support but they turned to other women their mothers again their aunts their sisters their cousins friends and now Here's something a little different than what the Indian women I've talked to you about before. Indian women usually only had anywhere from three to four children. Now, many women in the Old West had a baby every year, Mm. and the children were often sick. Uh, Concern for the children was the greatest of anxiety to these frontier families because when they got sick, they didn't really know what to do a lot of times. And there were no magic cures, and all too often the family had to bury one or more of its little ones. I mean, there's... If you go back in the genealogy of a lot of families, you know, most all of them lost anywhere from one to four, five, six children um, back in the Old West. Again, it was usually up to the mothers uh, to doctor and nurse their offspring, and if they were lucky, they might have a neighbor uh, to help, perhaps, or, uh, or again, someone with the knowledge of some Indian desperation, like I say, they would uh, do anything, and uh, Indian medicine, a lot of times there was things that helped there. But it was not uncommon for families to be stricken sometimes with two or more epidemic diseases at one time. Uh, they might have smallpox coming through their family. At the same time, scarlet fever. 
Um, I mean, this. So again, uh, because they were isolated, uh, these families would sometimes uh, get whooping cough or an outbreak of measles in the same family at the same time. So anyway, there was a, a Mrs. Godfrey. She got along without a physician when it went through her family. She used herbal medicines that she'd prepared herself, and so truly, you know, the homestead mother was really the key to health on the frontier, and she really has no equal in the annals of Pioneer West. I mean, if you think about, again, very few medical doctors, and their training was very, very limited, even at that, uh, so really the, the best thing they had out in the Old West was uh, the women, so... Uh, that's pretty much uh, tells the story of what helped the families the most. You know, they had uh, very primitive means, but yet uh, maybe in some respects they were further advanced than medical science even today. I mean, with the herbs and uh, some of the Indian treatments and uh, the knowledge that they possessed. I mean, it, it's amazing to me with the, all the means that you could do to yourself to become injured, whether it's you're out chopping wood, you drive an axe into your leg, or whether you have a shooting incident, uh, fall off a ladder, break a leg. They had to know what to do or they just absolutely wouldn't have any society going westward at all exactly and i think that they a lot of times understood some common sense things as far as cleanliness now back in the 1800s before germs were discovered uh there was actually a dr benjamin dudley who was a medical instructor uh, during that time and he kept telling his colleagues to clean and boil their surgical instruments to prevent infection. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, it met with resistance. They didn't, they didn't believe that. And uh, so you can only imagine how many lives might have been saved during the Civil War if physicians had followed this guy's advice. I mean, we've talked before how uh, during the Civil War they would have a table, uh, they would cut off a guy's leg and uh, uh, just throw a bucket of water across the table use the same instruments to cut off the next guy's arm or leg. Um, I mean, there were, again, there was some common sense things. Um, uh, in fact, there was a Dr. Walter Reed, and you've heard of the Walter Reed Army Hospital. Absolutely, yes. Um, I mean, uh, he. Uh, this is uh, where yellow fever was uh, uh, found to be, uh, uh, they found a cure for that. and. You know, kind of a sad thing is uh, physicians throughout history a lot of times uh, use themselves for experimentation. Mm. Um, in fact, this do Dr. Reed, uh, he would get, uh, and I don't want to be too explicit here, but <laughs> he would actually uh, take vomit. Oh, boy. <laughs> <from these things. laughs> I, I knew this would get you. Mm -hmm. He would take vomit from infected people and actually put it uh, into a wound on himself. I or see. He would vaporize the vomit and breathe this. Uh, uh, I'm not going to go any further. There's some other things he did that is not too appetizing. Um, you know, just to experiment on, on himself uh, to see... Uh, if you can find a cure for yellow fever. Well, and now that you've uh, totally eliminated all of our luncheon sponsors, uh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
you know, there's a lot of a- other aspects to medicine in the Old West, and, and we'll get to those uh, as well as we go along here. Uh, the Army surgeons, the uh, what we call the kitchen table doctors that yeah. uh, did surgeries on the kitchen tables of, of the pioneers, and, uh, and then uh, we'll get into Indian medicine as well, because there's a lot of things they did that were very, very common sense. Absolutely. Now, one thing I want to do before we wrap up the program this morning, uh, I want to go to doctor-history.com and, again, tell everybody they can be listening to the podcast. Oh, I'll let you have it. You end the program by telling everybody how they can listen to more Doctor History episodes. Just type in uh, in your computer on the Internet, doctor-history.com, and it should go immediately to my web page, and it'll have a wonderful picture of me, <laughs> so to speak, and a little bit about the podcast. And each podcast will have a short um, little description of what it is. Absolutely. Uh, for example, on there right now, I think there's uh, Wyatt Earp. There's, uh, let's see, um, there's about ten stories on there right now. Absolutely. I've got to run. Athletics and stuff like that. I've got to run, but I want to say Dr. History, better known as Dr. Ken Turner, wonderful individual and chiropractor in the Burley area. Thank you so much for Dr. History this morning. And uh, we'll share with everybody doctor-history.com. Thank you That's for being on the panel. All right, my friend. Take care. God bless. Uh, bye.